Welcome to Entrepreneur's Podcast. That's entre, like Spanish for between. Pre. Like our prepubescent sense of humor. And nerds, like the guys around the microphone. My name is Kareem. And I'm Daniel. And this is our second episode of Creative Entrepreneur Week, where we talk about flexing your creative muscle and getting your money behind your art and creativity. And if you want to get money behind art and creativity, why don't you go to patreon.com slash entrepreneurs podcast. And if we shout it like that, maybe you will. <laughs> this is a really cool interview. We actually have for the show, we went out and we said, who is in charge of all the businessy parts of all the creative parts? And we thought, let's go to CCAD. The Columbus College of Art and Design is an amazing um, center of creativity right across from uh, the art museum. It has been there for decades and decades and tons of really amazing people have come out of it and created incredible things for their communities and for Columbus as a whole. So I thought, what's their business program look like? So I actually reached out to the president of CCAD and she said, you've got to talk to Elaine. Elaine Grogan Luttrell is an author who wrote Arts and Numbers, which is a book about translating the language of numbers and accounting and business to the language that artists use. And she also is the department head of the business program at CCAD. And so we thought, of course this woman is perfect. Plus, she has her own consulting business where she consults private clients who are artists on how to make that thing what they want to be their sort of, unquote, starting role uh, as their main thing. And she talks a lot about that in this interview. Really cool stuff. Um, I'll just let her sort of tell you more about her business and about her background. Um, she's definitely a great resource for creatives all over the city and the country. And she'll tell you a little bit about a couple stories from those people who have been helped. And here's the interview. Hey, everyone. It's Daniel, the retailer here with Elaine Grogan Luttrell, who is the author of Arts and Numbers, the founder of Minerva Financial Arts, and the department head of business and entrepreneurship at CCAD. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Before we get started, tell us, uh, I said a lot of things. What does all that mean? What's your background? Uh, and how did you get there? Yeah. Uh, that's in, in 90 seconds. In 90 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version, the TLDR version. Um, I like to joke that when I was deciding what to study when I went to college, I listened to the wrong parent because I had two parents, one of whom was a follow your heart kind of parent and the other of whom was a very get a real job kind of parent. So I ended up studying accounting and economics and I am a CPA by training. And I followed that to New York where I got to do really cool things with mergers and acquisitions in Ernst & Young for a number of years. And then uh, the other parent kept encouraging me to follow my heart. So I took a job at the Juilliard School where I got to do really cool analytical financial things while listening to music kind of waft down the hallways and for a great purpose than mergers and acquisitions. We were fighting to preserve financial aid for all of the students and figure out a way to empower the next generation of brilliant performers. And, you know, I like to think that I found a way to take my professional abilities and analytical skills and use them in a very creative way to a more fulfilling end. So that's my little contribution to the creative world. You sort of mergered your own two <laughs> halves of yourself. I did, and I acquisitioned a very happy ending. <laughs> I'm so excited by that. <laughs> <laughs> so today, you know, we're talking about creative entrepreneurs, 
And uh, can you define that for our audience? Uh, obviously, you're a resource because when I asked around town, who should I interview for this? People were like, oh, you should talk to Elaine. So here I am. Define creative entrepreneurship for me. Well, I like to think of it as, you know, it starts with the creative part. I think it's important that that's the first part of the noun, right? A creative entrepreneur. It's someone, it's an entrepreneur who is creative, but the creativity has to come first. So for me, creative entrepreneurship is using business language and principles to kind of catapult your creativity forward, right? Sometimes the business language and the vocabulary and the concepts can be barriers to creativity. And I think this world of creative entrepreneurship allows us to use them to enhance and support creativity rather than detracting from it. That's an excellent definition. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it uh, when, as you were explaining it, I thought creative entrepreneurship sort of like the entrepreneurship is the how behind the what that is the creative. You know, not everybody can make huge chrome stainless steel ballerinas and put them in uh, Rockefeller Center. <laughs> but <laughs> Jeff Koons had to start somewhere. Maybe he was just, you know, uh, figuring out how to illustrate handwritten cards <laughs> and then sold a sculpture and was like, oh, I, I guess I can do that while I'm doing this, you know. Uh, I, I love uh, your definition, and I think that... Uh, that goes along well with sort of the next question, which is as you're talking to a creative entrepreneur or somebody that doesn't even know they're a creative entrepreneur, they're just an artist or somebody that's a, that wants to uh, write a book, what in that meeting, what's one of your first questions that you might ask them? Oh, the first question is always tell me about your art. Um, because re really, I honestly believe that's the most important thing. We can figure out all that other stuff. And you make such an interesting point about people not always calling themselves entrepreneurs. Um, the reality is creative people have been entrepreneurial since the beginning of time, right? Because entrepreneurship is problem solving, it's grit, it's perseverance, it's hustling, right, in a lot of different ways. And creative people, artists, writers, performers, have been doing that since the beginning of time. That's just kind of how they're wired. And I think entrepreneurship gets a bad rap when we think about sort of capital E entrepreneurship like new venture creation, right? Where you have to do a thing and then get money and scale it and then exit, right? That's a very like hard, clear definition of entrepreneurship. And I think that turns a lot of creative people off because they're more interested in being entrepreneurial with a lowercase e, not capital E entrepreneurs. And so that's why the first question I always ask is, you know, tell me about your art or tell me about your creativity or what do you love to do or how do you spend your time? Because from there, then we can have a conversation about maybe gaps in the business strategy that they might be aware of or might not be aware of. You know, do are they able to kind of clearly define their value? Are they pricing their value appropriately and using the right language to describe what they charge? for their thing or their service or their time, and what markets are they trying to reach, right? But I think if you start with the entrepreneurial language or, you know, who's your customer, right, you sort of lose the essence of a creative business, which is that creativity, the art, whatever makes you special and unique. That is a great answer. You've all got all kinds of wonderful answers for us, Elaine. The next one is, tell me about your art. So you wrote this book <laughs> called Arts and Numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you know, what's the elevator pitch on this book? What does it do? Um, how do you use it? What inspired you to write it? 
Um, what inspired me to write it was the desire to break down these vocabulary barriers that come with finance in particular. Um, a lot of what I was reading in terms of guides for artists or things like that, they would focus on sort of the low-hanging fruit of entrepreneurship, right? Um, and then often avoid questions about money and value and cash flow and taxes, right? And, you know, for someone without an expertise in those areas, it's probably good to avoid that. But most of the advice was either find an accountant, right? Or uh, the advice would be so condescending, right? It was just, it was insulting to read. It was treating our creative individuals like they were illiterate, right? As opposed to just not familiar with basic, you know, vocabulary words that we make up to create barriers, you know, between accountants or tax attorneys or whoever else in, in the world. When you talk about things like legalese, right. or, yeah, it's a whole different language. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be. And I had the benefit of struggling through some of my accounting classes. So I was watching my peers sort of get these concepts that don't make a lot of sense when you really start thinking about them, but they would just get them very quickly. And it would be really hard for some of my peers to understand a client's perspective when, you know, the client might not understand exactly what they're talking about or why something has to be that way. So I bring to the table this understanding that, yeah, this isn't logical. And, you know, here's what you practically need to know at a very, you know, basic level. This is what matters to you. And I wanted to do that with some of these financial concepts that, should be empowering as opposed to being limiting to artists in particular, right? So the purpose of the book was to return the empowerment and the agency to the creative person, right? If you could understand basic tax implications and basic pricing structures and basic understanding of you know cash flow and budgeting and how that connects to your creativity, which is the most important part, if you can do that, you can reclaim some of the agency of your creativity and of your creative career. And for me, that's how you really support that creativity. I, I think when we were talking earlier, what really uh, stuck out to me was the way you, the language you use to explain things uh, and even to explain something I might call like a side hustle or like what those things are that people are doing. You use those terms that creatives would be familiar with. Um, like while your starring role may be painting murals or public art, you're supporting cast roles are what are supporting the production. So how do you support that main production and what are you doing to do that? It doesn't have to be glamorous, it just has to pay the bills so that that burden is off of it so you can do the bigger things you want to do. And sometimes having a bucket to put that stuff in, right? So the buckets of a portfolio career, like you said, would be starring role, supporting cast role, and production assistance work. And sometimes just having the framework for thinking about the choices you want to make to how you fund your lifestyle, how you fund your creativity, and how you spend your time, having a framework for that that is familiar and logical and makes sense really does give you the power to choose how you want to use that framework and it makes it okay for you to say yes or no to certain things based on how it fits within this idea of your overall career. And, and again, that to me is empowerment, and that is returning the power to the person who should be in charge, which is the artist or the creative entrepreneur. So you take all of that amazing information and you bundle it together and uh, you bring it to your role as uh, leading this program at CCAD. Yes. So uh, 
we kind of know what people might expect when they come into a meeting with you with Minerva. We kind of know what they might expect when they read your book. When they walk, when a student says uh, they uh, are going to start this business curriculum at CCAD, what can they expect that to look like? It probably isn't their figure drawing class. It's probably a little different. <laughs> it's a little different. It's a little different. Um, but everything we do on campus is in support of the creativity of our students, right? Students don't come to CCAD because they want to be the next great business leader. That's just a happy accident because the real secret is most great business leaders are very, very creative and they know some basic business vocabulary. So our entire curriculum is designed to support the students' long-term goals. Um, and I have the privilege of using all of my entrepreneurial skill and knowledge and hustle and creativity and perseverance and grit in sort of making this department thrive. Um, we have grown by 638% over the past three years in terms wow. of number of students excellent. enrolled in business classes. It is excellent. And once upon a time, probably 12 years ago or so when I was first having these conversations with creative people about, you know, hey, it's really kind of important that you have an understanding of what's deductible or something like that, right? There was a lot of resistance. And I am thrilled that there is very, very little resistance in the students at CCAD. They get it. Yeah. Many of them have had businesses, you know, for the better part of their lives, mm -hmm. right? Rather their websites or Etsy pages or something like that, right? So the students get it. They know it's important. And our curriculum is unique because it is built by experts in each technical field. So my technical field is finance and accounting. I oversee the curriculum we teach in finance and accounting. We have marketing professionals overseeing our marketing curriculum. We have an attorney who oversees our business law curriculum, right? The curriculum starts with technical expertise, but it doesn't end there. It has to be tailored to our particular students and what they want to get out of the information. So that's why we call it the tailored technical model for active engaged learning. Unlike a traditional lecture class where, you know, uh, the sage on the stage is the phrase from academia, right? Where an expert in the field would disseminate information to the masses. We take an approach of active engaged learning where the technical expert who has built curriculum tailored for our students will share some information but mostly invite our students to engage in activities and discussion to apply that information and we do that by partnering with our colleagues across the campus who run studio classes so sometimes we will sneak in a little bit of business and entrepreneurship education into a studio class we do guest lectures all across the campus on a pretty regular basis we partner with career services to do workshops that are open to alums and students alike and we offer seven different classes that students can pick and choose from to figure out what will best complement their long-term goals. Whether they want to be freelancers, very entrepreneurial, we have classes for that. If they want to take a more traditional career path, say in a retail establishment or something like that, or a design agency, we have classes that will help them manage projects and figure out the financing for a project and um, deal with international sourcing of materials for our fashion designers and things like that. And then we have a track for students who want to change the world. And that focuses on social entrepreneurship and figuring out how you reconcile this stereotype we have that business is bad, which, by the way, it isn't, right? But how we reconcile this stereotype with wanting to do real good in the world through a business vehicle. All right, it's time for another commercial. I know you're sick of us, but we love you. 
and we want to keep our lights on. We want to keep the microphone going. So go to Blueberry.com. Use Entrepreneurs as your promo code. You'll even get stuff for it. What do you get, Dan? Nothing. I mean, you get no- <laughs> nothing for a month that you have to pay. You get nothing at all built to your account for a month. And that's something. Speaking of something, back to the interview. That is the most amazing thing, and I can't imagine why it's not required attendance for every student that goes to CCAD. I mean, if you're, you should do a class at the beginning for all the incoming freshmen that says, here's how much money you're spending on this, and here's how much money you can make if you take these classes. <laughs> um, but how, how could you possibly know how to pay off your student loans if you didn't take your classes to figure out how you take what you've just learned and turn it into something fundable, something that people will pay for, something that people will come back for and pay again for? I think that uh, it's so critical, almost to a point where it's crazy that it's not required, all those courses, for everybody that goes to the university. I mean, what do you think about the, uh, I mean, making it something that's, we, I like, I think that the weaving it into the studios classes, having those other, trying to make it more a part of the campus life is a really important thing. But as I hear you talk, I'm thinking, who at that campus is not minoring in business and entrepreneurship, <laughs> right? Well, I, I appreciate that. I really, really do. But some students just don't want to. And I'm not big on requirements. Oh, right. <laughs> I would you, can't, much... <laughs> you can't make somebody want to learn accounting. Right, right. I would much rather have them be aware that it's an option. And more importantly, aware that we are here as resources. My favorite thing on campus is when students make appointments with me and come in and ask me random questions. And nine times out of ten, they're students that I don't know. I had a student who, um, and it was a student in illustration who had posted something on Instagram and was approached by a Fortune 500 company. And the student didn't know how to respond, right? So one of the faculty members suggested that the student come see me. So we drafted an email. We talked about, you know, what sort of expectations the student have, how many zeros should be involved in the particular conversation, right? So just being there as a resource when questions like that come up for our students, I think is so, so valuable. And being there for our alums as well. Sometimes students don't realize they need this information until they've walked across the stage and then they remember that, oh my gosh, they only have six months of deferment before they have to start making payments on student loans. Or they didn't realize it would be so hard to build a network of customers so quickly, right? So being available to our alums, both through our career service office and through my department, I think is a really important way to continue to fulfill our educational mission and serve the students and the creative community more broadly when they're ready for it and how they need and want to be served. Yeah. Having said that, we still do sneak in that business curriculum so that no one can leave CCAD without at least hearing the words deductible, budget, intellectual property, right? So people at least hear these words. And if it were to be totally and completely required, I would be okay with that. Yes. Um, And and then we'd have to change you from being called a department head to department chair because it would be a major (laughs) at that point. Um, So... We've talked about uh, uh, quickly that student story that you had. What are some stories from your business with Minerva that you've had some great success or some interesting stories about creatives that may have come to you and um, changed the way they approach their business because of your counsel? 
Um, I, I love sharing stories. I really, really do because I think it really kind of crystallizes how what I'm doing is not rocket science, but it can be very, very transformative. Um, I was working with a visual artist uh, who had undergone some major life transitions, um, and she had a particular arrangement where she was making a considerable amount of money. It was a grant-funded position for a three-year period of time. She had a lot of money coming in. And she shared her budget with me, and she was spending quite a lot as well. Um, and, and I asked her, you know, which of these things are your most favorite? Which of these expenses do you really love? If you had to rank these in order of importance, which ones would they be? Or, you know, why do you really like doing this particular thing? And I posed those questions to her, and she said she wanted to think about it. And then she wrote back a few weeks later and said she had redone her entire budget, and she had never even stopped to consider the why of what she was doing. It had almost just become a habit, right? Because you make money, you spend money, right? And so simply asking those questions and getting to a deeper kind of mindfulness connection for this particular visual artist was really transformative. Another example, I was working with a husband and wife team, both who were creative, um, and they had never found a record-keeping system that worked for them because they had personal expenses as shared household expenses. Um, they had uh, creative businesses, business expenses for one person's business and creative business expenses for the other person's business. And they were juggling a lot, and QuickBooks wasn't doing it for them. So we built a magical Excel document where they could track everything and import information from their bank statements. And it has all these gorgeous formulas, and it's amazing, and I will spare you all the details. But that was about does a 6 Does it have macros? It I love does. macros. Macros are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so nice, because their problem was they really wanted to be very cognizant of what they were doing, but they couldn't find a tool that worked for them. And they were willing to kind of put in the work to build their own custom tool with me via Excel. And that's pretty amazing. I had another group reach out from New York not too long ago. Um, they wanted a business plan because they are applying for loans and they didn't know how to write one. And all the templates they found online felt really kind of phony and, you know, too linear for what they were doing. So same kind of thing. I asked them a whole bunch of questions. They gave me the answers. I asked some more questions. We went back and forth. They told me a lot about their creativity. And we put together a really, really nice business plan. And it looks polished and it says the right businessy words and it uses the right terms. And I pushed back on them a lot to make sure that what they were saying was true and defensible and economically sound and viable. But we didn't lose the essence of what they really wanted to communicate as part of the plan. And it doesn't look like any template you'd ever see, but now they're using it to apply for loans. That's so important. One of the classes that I've taught before uh, about business is starts with the business plan. Because anytime you want to get money from anybody, you're going to talk to somebody that speaks in a completely foreign language. And that language it can be presented to you. You can learn it by understanding how to write a quality business plan. But once you have one done, you don't really have to do it all over from scratch again. Then you can just start editing it and adding it and adjusting it. Um, but you can get grants from that. You can use that to uh, get the loans you need from the bank, whatever those things are. But it's such an important, critical point to start. So even when it comes to somebody just saying, hey, Elaine, we need a business plan, that's a great way to start that relationship with them. Absolutely. So um, now that we've talked about everything that has to do with CCAD with Minerva with arts and business arts and numbers and um, uh, some of your cool stories 
Do you have any local creative entrepreneurs that you admire? Oh my gosh, there's such a long list of them. I mean, you walk down High Street on gallery hop night, or you wander around Franklinton for Franklinton Fridays, and you know the city is full of creative entrepreneurs. There's no shortage of them. And some of them look like creative entrepreneurs and identify that way, and, and some don't. Um, I think Marshall Schwartz is doing amazing things in Columbus. I really, really admire everything he's doing. I think Johanan Terrell's firm, Warhol and Wall Street, is also doing unbelievable things, and he is just such a force for good in Columbus. I think Jen Townsend and Anne Holman, owners of the Smithery in Grandview, are incredible. I love their work. I love what they're doing. I love love how cognizant they are about teaching classes and bringing the community in and selling work from other artists. I think it's a really, really cool approach they're taking. And then I love David Bland. He is not in Columbus, um, and he's married to my cousin, and he's one of the most brilliant creative thinkers I've known. And he started out his career with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts. He was an artist, and then he taught himself how to code, and then he started playing around in the startup community, and he's done unbelievable things supporting creative social entrepreneurs all across the country. And he's in Oakland now, hanging out with my cousin, his wife and their three kids. That's awesome. I love hearing that, uh, you know, especially when people come to digital from uh, a fine arts background and uh, understand it. One of the things I've talked to a lot of different leaders about is the importance of learning code and coding, not not because you need to change the world, but you need to understand what those resources look like so that you can speak that language. Because if you show up some, oh my gosh, I have the best idea for app. It doesn't make any, like everybody comes to these people who know how to do it with an idea for an app. If you know actually what that takes, you can talk to them with a little less um, immaturity, right? That's so true. Yeah. And just like you said, it's just a separate language, right? And by the way, that language would help you with your macros in Excel as well. Yes, it <laughs> So uh, what do you think about the Columbus entrepreneurship scene? I mean, we talked about creative entrepreneurship, but like, what are you most excited about when you look out there in the scene in Columbus and you see something starting up or, or what's going on? You're like, oh, that's something I can point to as a touchstone of what the future of Columbus looks like. Oh, my gosh. There are so many things that excite me about Columbus. Um, I love what's happening with Idea Foundry and 400 West Rich in Franklinton. I think there's really cool things going on there. I love what's happening with Give Back Hack, uh, the hackathon social entrepreneurship weekend. Um, and we at CCAD have been fortunate enough to host that for three years in a row now. And I love what happens at that particular weekend event. I think it's really, really magical. I love the conversations that are happening with Rev1 and the Center for Social Enterprise Development and Civic Hacks and all these other groups locally. And, you know, I'm a recent transplant to Columbus. I've been here about six years or so. Um, and I describe Columbus lovingly as delightfully incestuous. And I think that spirit of support, right, where it's a big city with lots of resources, but still a really connected city where people know each other and they're willing to help each other and go to each other's events and support each other's events and, you know, work together really collaboratively. That, I think, is what makes Columbus a really, really special place to be. And I know the city is not without its problems, right? There are a long list of them that we could talk about, but I think it's really interesting how the spirit of community and that idea of being a supportive, collaborative, connected community can help all of us solve those problems together without sort of glazing over them and, you know, believing that Columbus is perfect. 
Yeah, it's not about Columbus having arrived. It's about what the potential is. When I wrote that article, Columbus is the best city in the world, what I was trying to say was, we're, Rome is great, but it's in ruins. And it was a great city. It already peaked. Columbus has yet to peak. So that's what makes us the best, is because we have so much potential. And this is a part of it, starting with uh, creative entrepreneurs that might not have any idea what a business plan looks like, or starting with students that show up um, because their mom told them that they're really good at fashion, but that really doesn't, they don't know what that looks like. Um, and then talking to people and listeners out there who may think, I want to start my own business, I don't know what that looks like. I think that anybody who's listening to this podcast probably took a ton of notes because um, you had a lot of great stuff to say. Plus, I encourage people to look up those names that Elaine mentioned and look them up because they're doing great things in the city. Uh, I'm planning a trip to the Idea Foundry soon, so we're going to check it out. Um, thank you so much. Uh, let's do a little plug here. How do people find you and Minerva and find your book? Yeah, so the book is for sale at Holy Craft. Uh, you should definitely shop local because that's amazing. Um, you can also get it from Amazon because we love Amazon. Um, uh, my website is MinervaFinancialArts.com. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, email's a great way to get a hold of me. And, of course, CCAD is CCAD.edu, and you can find more information about the business and entrepreneurship as part of our core liberal arts program. Thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you so much. Have a great one. And that was Elaine. You can buy her book at the Gramercy Bookstore in Bexley. And you can follow us on iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon. I'm dancing. I don't know if you can see it. I'm still dancing right now. This is a great interview. We love Elaine. We love Creative Entrepreneur Week. And in honor of Creative Entrepreneurs, who's this music by, Kareem? This is called Follow Me by Jimmy Hernandez. So please follow us and we'll see you when we see you. <laughs> <laughs>